Thanks for checking out the V1 Church podcast. In this episode, Pastor Mike Signorelli talks about what it means to get true rest. So if you've ever struggled in this area, this episode is for you. So make sure you listen to the very end, and we'll see you on the other side. I'm going to read to you out of Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. If you have a physical Bible, you can flip back to it, or you can follow along at the V1 Church app if you download it now. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finishes work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day. Somebody say the seventh day. All right, stay with me. And made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Let's pray. Father, I am so desperately dependent on you to communicate this message. I humbly submit myself to you as a willing vessel. Use me however you would see fit to use me. I pray, God, that these words would be articulated in a way that they can understand. Lord, that they would get a profound revelation of your love for them and that we would somehow be able to transcend what American culture in the 21st century has taught us about rest and come to understand your original design for it. And then I pray that by the end of this service, we enter into that rest. If you want that, will you just say amen with me? So let me tell you a quick story. When I first got married, we had planned a Disney vacation. Now, this was the first vacation I had ever been on in my life. At this point, I was 22 years old, and I was just raising a family where we didn't go to vacations. We didn't have that luxury. I remember one time we went to Dayton, Ohio from Northwest Indiana, and that was like our vacation, which was AKA don't order soda at any of the places that we go to. And anyone know what that's like? <laughs> like like, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it on a budget. Like, you're in Disney, but you're eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich you made at the La Quinta that you're staying on down the street. Anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. Your Instagram makes you look like you're a baller, but we all know you're, you're eating bologna on your hand. <laughs> Can't even afford the bread. We know. We know. So our first vacation, I had never vacationed. Now I had traveled extensively. I did a lot of inner city ministry and I did that type of stuff before I had met my wife, but I had never been on a vacation. Now, before I even tell you the rest of the story, my wife's out of all the messages that I've preached from this pulpit and this platform, this has been the one that intimidated my wife the most. And it's funny because often what we try to do is preach out of the authority of areas that we have gained victory in. <laughs> And if you know anything about me, it was probably very perplexing thinking about me talking about rest today. And my wife all week long was like, Mike, I, I don't know if you have any authority in this topic. Like, I, I don't know if you if there is an anointing for this message on your life. And I just want to be vulnerable with you and say that sometimes I'm preaching stuff that I got victory over a decade ago. And sometimes I'm praying to God that I just got this victory five minutes before I got on the stage. Um, so full transparency, we're in this together, okay? Um, and, and so anyways, we went on our first vacation. And I had packed just for Florida almost exclusively pants and t-shirts because my version of vacation is, is literally seek out and conquer, discover and conquer. Like I want to walk as many miles as I can and see as much new stuff as I can. My wife's version of, of, of vacation, and I didn't know this until we got there, 
is she wants to lay down in front of a pool, close her eyes, and roast. <laughs> now, I didn't know that, so here's how I discovered it. We went to our first pool. We both laid down together. I, didn't, I had to go buy trunks because I didn't even pack trunks to go to Florida because that's how bad I was at vacationing. So we're laying down, and about 38 seconds in, something in my brain said, this is wrong. This is wrong. So I turn to Julie. I'm like, what are we going to do now? And Julie kind of sheepishly looks at me. She's like, this is it. <laughs> I said, wait, what? And that was the beginning of our journey of learning how to vacation together. I got up from that place, explored about 17 and a half miles of Disney. Have you ever been on a vacation where you end up more tired than when you went? You come home, you're like, I paid a whole bunch of money, and I already have a gym membership, but that mouse was able to get me to do more than I could ever do for, for Planet Fitness. Um, we, yeah. So anyways, um, I got up from that place, and I realized that all I've got to do is get a heat lamp in my living room, put the sounds of the ocean on our TV, put VR goggles on my wife and save myself the money moving forward. Some husbands were like, I'm right. You're writing that down right now. Right? Because her, her vision is voluntary coma. That's Julie. Like to what's vacation? Voluntary coma. Mine is conquer, right? So <laughs> I go, I want to see as much. I want to meet people. I want to do stuff. But the, the result of that is not really understanding rest because we all have different definitions. So in this room, you have a different definition of rest. What does it mean to rest? And so as a matter of fact, when atheists read that scripture that I started this message with, one of their biggest troubles uh, with, with that scripture is if God is an omnipotent, all-powerful being, if God is truly who he says he is, why did he have to rest on the seventh day? If he was wore out, isn't that a contradiction of his character? And so if your definition of rest is that on the seventh day, he went into a voluntary coma where he laid down in front of the pool in the garden called Eden, and he closed his eyes. If your definition of rest is binge watching Netflix, or maybe you're like me and got 17 families on your Disney Plus login, um, and, and, and just binge watching Disney, like if your vision, if, you're, if I'm saying the word rest, and what you're thinking is rest is the absence of doing something, then you may have an atheistic 21st century interpretation of scripture. So I want to give you the true interpretation. Can I do that? The result of reading scriptures through Western eyes. So we are in a Western culture. If you travel far enough, you will hit Eastern cultures. Uh, I have friends who are Jews from Israel. They read the New Testament through the lens of Judaism and, and actually understand much more of it than we do because they are, they are still actively in the practices that are explained in detail in Scripture. And so what can happen is that we can make bumper stickers out of Scriptures. We can, we can preach and scream preach scriptures, but not have the revelation of the context of that scripture and conform it to a very bad definition. So I'm going to take a step back and kind of help you understand some scriptures that you will hear Christians misquote all the time. And you're probably asking, what does this have to do with New Year, New Me? Everything. 
Because part one of this series was Paul saying, I haven't figured it all out, but this one thing I know, this one thing I know is I'm going to go after my future. And in going and pressing towards my future, it satiates this contentment for the present and actually helps me forget the biblical definition of forgetting my past. You all remember that message? That's how you started the new year. And then part two, we come in. And what are we talking about in part two of this series last week? We're talking about the repetitions of our mind. We're talking about how what happens is that we have to learn how to take the thoughts captive in our mind because oftentimes we are stuck in these vicious cycles of the same thought patterns. And so if if you can graduate those two lessons, you come into this part of the series where we are simply saying, if you do not understand the biblical definition of rest, you will never be able to sustain the new you. Because the new you requires rest, requires rest. So we want to look at this scripture again. Genesis chapter two, verse one says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. Now let's back up and kind of unpack that scripture. What is the work that God did in Genesis chapter two? Well, simply put, he created a world in perfect order. This is before the fall of mankind. This is before sin has entered the world. And so sin had not yet entered the world. And because sin was not here, it was in perfect functioning order. So the work that he did was to create everything that you see with your eyes now, but it functioning in such a way where entropy and decay and death was not a part of the equation. And so as a matter of fact, in the Garden Eden, actually we have a biblical account that before the fall of man, even the trees and the, and the produce and the things that would actually begin to uh, produce after the themselves didn't require working the ground, didn't require farming. Farming didn't exist at this particular point because the way in which things were wired and set up by God was so perfect that it actually continually and perpetually yielded without the help of man, without the toil and the work of man. Isn't that incredible? And so at this particular point, the work that God had done was he created galaxies He created systems in this universe, and on a galactic level, he stood back, he looked at everything he had made, and he said, every single thing that I made, from the the smallest, most seemingly insignificant microbe, all the way to these giant burning infernos we call stars, he said, every single thing is functioning in perfect order. And then, watch this, He rested on the seventh day from his work. So God blessed that day and made it holy. Now, I want to give you a biblical definition definition of holy. Because in in the Christian cultural definition of holy, holy is simply we wear long skirts, not pants. Holy is we don't wear makeup. Anyone come from churches like that, you don't have to say amen. But my mom was, you know, we were partly raised in a denomination where holy was your outward appearance. As a matter of fact, Julie's parents came from a particular Pentecostal denomination where they misinterpreted uh, Old Testament scripture so that you couldn't even wear a wedding band. And so their loophole for that was that they wore uh, wedding watches. (laughs) And some of you are like, what? 
But see, what we've often done is we've taken holy and reduced holy to exterior forces, exterior identifiable things. And, and what you will do whenever you take the holiness of God and reduce it to the visual is create loopholes. Because watches aren't in the Bible, so we can wear watches. But rings were in the Bible, and they said, don't wear a ring to adorn your finger. And we decontextualize that, and so we can wear a watch. But the biblical definition of holy means to intentionally set it aside. It means to put it in such a dimension of time and space that it exists in and around other things, but is distinctly separate. Am I going too deep for you today? Are you with me? So he works for six days, putting everything on a galactic level in perfect order and in perfect functioning. Then on the seventh day, calls that day holy and says, this is a time. This is a distinctly different. And, and, and now all of a sudden I am going to rest. But here's the biblical definition. I'm going to give it to you now so I can unpack it for the remainder of this message. His definition of rest is now my spirit can abide in a world that is perfect enough to match my perfection. Do you hear me? So his version of rest was on the seventh day. Now I can enter into a space and I can abide and dwell in a realm that matches my perfection. I can actually take up residence there. I can actually call this place home. I can actually live in this place. And so if you attribute the biblical definition to rest, to just closing your eyes and laying down and sleeping, you'll miss the full revelation of this word. Rest was saying, I've put everything in perfect order, and because it's in order now, I can step out of the dimension of heaven and into this realm, and my spirit can take up residency here. But what happens is this. Oftentimes, the worlds that we create are in so much disarray and in so much dysfunction, we simply live in a world where our own spirit cannot dwell or reside without being exhausted. Let me just tell you like this, marriage is not exhausting. Arguing with your spouse is. <laughs> Man, look how quiet it got. I must be doing some good work on your soul today. People, marriage, my, my marriage is exhausting me. No, 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 God actually created the covenant of marriage. Marriage is one of the few institutions. Marriage and church are the inventions of God. No human invented church and no human invented marriage. The, the scriptures actually give us an account that God instituted both of them. So God, what God makes works the way he designed it. So marriage is not exhausting the way we do marriage is exhausting. When I got married to Julie, I remember we were, man, this is before kids. Anyone remember that? Oh, that was such an amazing world to live in. <laughs> we would go out to eat. We would rent movies. We were in love. Marriage, actually, as a matter of fact, if I had a bad day at work, I would come home and marriage was a source of exhilaration and excitement for me. Let me put it like this. Have you ever been tired? And you felt like you couldn't go another mile, another inch. And then you went to the gym and worked out and suddenly tapped this reserve of energy you didn't know you had. And then you're up all night. Anyone ever do that before? 
For those of you who don't work out, let me bring it home. Have you ever tried to go bed to bed and started scrolling through your phone and the only workout you're getting is from your thumb? <laughs> scrolling through your phone and suddenly you're up for 17 more hours even though you complained about being tired all day? So what's your definition of rest? Because you yourself are a little confused. <laughs> Let me read you another prop, uh, scripture that everyone uh, always claims to have a, a corner on the market. Now, when I read this, it's going to encourage you, but it's going to encourage you for the wrong reasons. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says this. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know what? Doesn't that feel good to hear that? Doesn't that feel good? You know why it felt good? Because you thought that he was talking about giving you a vacation from your job. I'm so heavy laden. I labor. You know who he was talking to and what he was saying? All of you who labor so hard for the approval of God by all of these exterior means of actually gaining his favor. All of you Jews who follow hundreds of laws a day just in hopes that God of heaven may see you amongst the throngs of people. All of you that do every sacrifice, every Passover, every single, every festival, every season, every single one. As a matter of fact, when I was in Israel, I have a friend named Ari. Ari lives in Jerusalem. He's an awesome dude. He actually is an, uh, he, he's a really great dude. And I was hanging out at this guy's house. I, the first time I'd ever hung out with him. And I was at Ari's house and we were there for Shabbat, which is on Friday night. And in Israel on Friday night, that place shuts down. Like it is something that you have to experience at least once in your life because there is nothing open. Matter, as a matter of fact, I was walking the streets, uh, streets late at night in Jerusalem and I was perceived as a non-Jew because uh, why would I be outside? And I said this before from this stage, but I ran out of contact solution and couldn't even find a place on a Friday night to buy it in all of one of the major cities of Israel. Because, because they take the idea of Sabbath and, and more specifically on the Friday night Shabbat so seriously that, it, that, that they won't violate it. And so my point in saying this is that Ari is going through these ritualistic prayers that he has been doing his entire life that are a part of the ceremony called Shabbat. And, and we were kind of like the, the clock was against us. And so as the clock was against us, we were... Uh, we, he, he was kind of like keenly aware of that. And his wife said, Ari, they got to go in a little bit. And so instead of exempting himself from the prayers of Shabbat and saying, oh, you're right. These are Gentiles. Let's get them on their way. His solution was, let me pray them as fast as I can. So he's like, going through these prayers. And that way of being was such, it was like this institution of religion existed in every fiber of their being. And so you wouldn't skip your prayers. It's very hard for us to even understand this scripture because even the most devout Christians can go weeks without praying. I know that convicted somebody. But like even the most devout Christians can be like, I haven't read my own Bible. This is the first time I've heard scripture this week. And if it doesn't come up in my Instagram feed, I don't hear it at all. But see, to the Jews that he was speaking to, he was saying, you're burdened by these prayers that you have to pray 
and you can't skip them. You're burdened by the way in which you live your life. It's you're trying so hard to gain the approval of God and it's become labor to you. It's become this gruesome reality that you can't escape that it's like I'm doing everything I can to please this God that I feel so separated from. Now let me read it again. He goes, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are going to the extremes to get the approval of God by doing every religious task that you've been trained to do. And you're heavy laden with that. And I will give you, watch this, a new way of being, a new order, a new creation that is so perfect that my spirit can abide there forever. And in that way, in this scripture, there's this parallel between God and the book of Genesis saying everything I made is in perfect order. Now I can rest. Now I can reside. Now I can live in this place of perfect order. And then he reincarnates himself as Christ. He's on planet earth. And then he tells him, hey, your life is so dysfunctional. Your life is so out of order. But if you come to me with that heavy burden of trying to please God through your own actions, I will give you a new way of living. I will cause you to be a new creation. I will put it back into the original design, going back to the book of Genesis. And as it's in the original design, then you will live in the perfection of that new creation reality. You know what I see when I see people from our team like Christina, when I see Chris who's on cameras, and I see this health and this wholeness that begins to come over their life and their marriages and even their physical being is I see this restoration of new life where all of a sudden they enter into this rest, but it's not the kind of rest like you're thinking. It's saying I can live in a world without dysfunction and disorder and chaos now. Let me read you a few more things. Rest is not, help me out here, rest is not, rest is not procrastination, even though it feels so good sometimes. Rest is not sleeping, even though it's essential. That's not the biblical definition of rest. Rest is not stopping. I hear people say all the time, well, I'm going to quit this thing and that's going to give me more energy to, to do the other things I'm doing better. And oftentimes they are missing. They're treating a symptom, but they're not treating the root. And it's like, hey, homie, that cough, it's not a cold, it's cancer. And, and you can just quit smoking for a couple of days. You can quit. But listen, the, the root goes deeper. And oftentimes people say, well, I need rest. I'm going to stop something. But it is some, there's a deeper level issue. Rest is not vacation even though vacation may be part of the formula for rest. And how do I know that? Because if you were able to set up camp on Disney property and Disney just said, hey, you know what? You could just live here. You don't have to live on Long Island. You could live on Disney property. It's only a matter of time to the culture and the atmosphere of your soul begins to invade the, the Disney Vacation Club home that they give you. And then you will then find no true rest in Disney. 
If they said on the cruise ship, hey, you don't have to leave this cruise ship, you can actually stay forever, there's only a matter of time where the dysfunction of your way of being would become the culture of the room that you live in on the cruise ship, and then you would find no rest there either. And oftentimes what all those things do is they help us escape, but they're no solution at all. Rest is not escape. But let me tell you what rest is. I'm gonna give you the real, rest is order. Rest is order, order. I passed a massive test the other week. My family started, my extended family started brewing an argument. I felt it coming on. You ever been in the room and you're like, uh oh, here it comes. Okay, y'all ain't getting real with me. And all of a sudden, because I continue to pray, kingdom come, kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven, the kingdom is a kingdom of order. I said, guys, we are not going to continue this conversation. We are going to move this conversation to two weeks from now. We're gonna schedule it. And then we are going to preserve this day for what it's supposed to be. And we are gonna move on. And when I said it, everyone said, all right, cool, we can do that. And I knew that I just saved our family and extended family from certain death. <laughs> But after I did it, my wife looked at me. There was tears welling up in her eyes. She said, Mike, you are learning. You are getting better. Because what's happening is order is coming to my life. Order is coming. Kingdom come. We don't engage like that. So real rest is order. If it's normal for you to yell at each other in your house, the kingdom will come and as the Holy Spirit comes to invade your being, all of a sudden the gift of the Spirit is temperance. The gift of the Spirit is long suffering. And then you can't say, well, I'm just Italian. And that's why I do it because we are bought with a price and there's no longer Italian, Irish, Jew, Gentile, slave free, we're all sons and daughters. You lose your excuses because order has come order has come the next one is rest is purpose rest is purpose i cannot tell you how many times i forget to eat during the week am i right evan people have to remind me to eat when you work a job you hate you know exactly when lunch is somebody somebody who hates their job is like amen brother I used to work blue collar jobs. I've been a carpenter. I, I, I've literally worked for the filtration plant off of Chicago's Lakeshore. And you know that union gives you two union breaks and a lunch. And you know when it's coming up because we start taking our break before the break. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Somebody said no. But the, but the thing is when you have a life of purpose, it will actually cause you to extend your energies because there's something about purpose that brings order and something about purpose and order that brings true rest. Everything bows to it. True rest is this, design, design, design. I don't have the time to say, y'all are gonna have to double dip for the next service. But when things are put in their proper design, they produce a culture of rest. Our society is trying to redefine everything. And as they go on a mission to redefine everything, they may not learn it in this generation, but give it enough time, they're gonna learn there's something fatally flawed with the way we tried to redefine the thing that God defined. And it's only produced chaos in our culture, not rest. I know I didn't get clapped down for that because we're in New York, but God will put a proper order and also a proper design 
a proper design. Rest is this, function. True rest, according to the Bible, is the function. What is the way in which it was supposed to be used? And last but not least, true rest is connection. True rest is connection. One of the things that I encourage couples to do is to pause their life and look into their husband or wife's eyes for more than 60 seconds straight. And blinking is okay. Because you can end up becoming a roommate with the person that you're in covenant with. And all of a sudden, when you have that connectivity, at V1 Church, you know, we do this thing where I encourage everyone to ask someone how they're doing twice. The first time you say, how are you doing? You're going to get a cultural response. I'm, I'm doing fine, cool. The second time you ask, you're going to get a real answer because you're going to make connection. And then your soul will actually find rest, true residence in that connection. You'll say, I can abide in this space right now. This space is holy. So you'd say, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. No, no. How are you doing? Actually, I'm not doing too well. I'm depressed. And as they release that information, that's that holy space that's created through transparency is a place that their soul can actually find residence in. Do you guys, are you learning? Are you picking up what I'm trying to teach you today? Does this make sense? Does this help you? I want to show you one last thing before we close out service. We are exhausted from this. We are exhausted from our complaining but when you have rest, and listen, when you have function and purpose and order and connection, it changes the outcome. So we're exhausted from our complaining, but we find rest in our praising. This is the flip. This is the practical. We're exhausted from worry, but we find rest in our worship. We are exhausted from procrastination, but we find rest in our perseverance. You hate yourself more when you procrastinate. The voice of condemnation actually grows louder the more you procrastinate. And so as order begin, it begins to come over your life, suddenly you'll say, I'm exhausted from procrastination, but I'm finding rest in my perseverance. We are exhausted from our arguments, but we find rest in our peacemaking. Our soul can find residence in that place. We are exhausted from our unforgiveness, but we find rest in our forgiveness. We are exhausted from our sin, but we find rest in our salvation. Would you stand to your feet? You know, I don't know, I felt led to say this. I'm gonna say it before we pray it out. Oftentimes we say, I know the problem, it's my phone. But do you know that a phone can't lust? and Jesus didn't die on a cross for an inanimate object? See, you say, well, if the problem's my phone, I'm addicted to my phone. But see, the problem is, your phone is an inanimate object, your computer, your laptop, your iPad, it is a reflection of the chaos of your soul. All your phone will ever be is a mirror for the dysfunction and the disorder of your soul. Some of you say, well, I can't get along in my marriage, it's my husband's fault, it's my wife's fault, but see, your husband and your wife, this is one of the most profound revelations I ever got in my marriage. When I looked at Julie, and at one point, Julie had gained over 90 pounds. You know she's five foot one. There ain't a lot there to really add on 90 pounds. 
and she she was 90 pounds bigger. She was depressed. She was eating fast food in the parking lot of our apartment complex before she came into the apartment. I was making her cry every day, and I, I was so mad at Julie, and I blamed Julie for everything, and I'll never forget. The Holy Spirit said, Mike, you will find rest when you realize that Julie is a mirror for your own soul. And the way that the atmosphere that you create in your house is producing unhealth and death in your wife. And she is just simply a mirror for the dysfunction of your soul, Michael. And all of a sudden I begin to change. And as I begin to change me, change me, God, all of a sudden Julie became a mini triathlon runner and started to lose weight and came into health. And, and so what happened was order came over my house. For me, I, I sit down with a planner every single day and I plan meticulously. I partner with God. I put up goals and say, God, this is what I want to see you do this year. Why? I'm The best way to predict the future is to create it. And so if you have anxiety over your future, then you need to learn how to pray. Kingdom come. God, teach me how to create the future because the best way to predict the future is to make it. And so when I sit down with my planner, that's, it doesn't seem sexy. I know this doesn't scream preach really well, team. I'm sorry. But, but it's like the, what happens is that my soul finds rest when I say what's the purpose and the design and the function and the connection that I so desperately need to make. And as I'm putting it in the planner, I'm prophesying into my planner. You know, in the Pentecostal church, we got so good at, oh, you know, in Jesus' name, prophesying over people. And, but we can't even prophesy into a planner. <laughs> We don't even have a schedule for our life and, and life is happening to us, but I dare you to prophesy to a planner. I'll just tell you right now, I have, a, I have a planner right now, so there are no old Signorellis. So my planner says that I will live to see four generations of Signorellis and I will father four generations spiritually. That's my goal for my life, I know it. But I just said, God, I'm gonna prophesy it. And as I speak into this planner, an order comes over my life. And so some of us, we're, we're restless in our souls. We're restless in our souls. Jesus, when he left earth, scripture gives us an account that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Do you know why he's seated and not standing? He's seated because he finished his job of putting everything back in complete and total order. And he's resting in that. He's seated in his place of authority. How many of you have ever bought a new car or had a new vehicle and you would never put that Nacho Belgrande wrapper on that seat? You would never, just, you have a new car and you, somebody else goes to do something in that car. Oh, 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 you better take your shoes off. I don't care if it is winter and here's a plastic bag so you can put them in there for the duration of the ride. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? But then what happens three years later? You forget that it was new. See, what happens is sometimes as Christians, we forget that we were made new. And we get comfortable littering our lives with arguments, littering our lives with worry, littering our lives with complaints, littering our lives with disorder and chaos, littering, we get comfortable, we forget that he made us new. So right now we're gonna close out the service by renewing our commitment to him so you can leave this place and say, God, 
the dysfunction, the disorder, the chaos of my soul, make it new so that I don't allow that clutter anymore. Do you all hear me today? So I want us to pray this together. And I want you to just borrow my words and use these words. Romans chapter 10 says it like this, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that you will be saved and you're saved. And so after we pray this prayer, whether you prayed it once or a million times, it's like hitting a reset on your soul. And you're saying, Jesus, I believe that you are putting in perfect order everything in my life. I believe that you have recreated the, see the Bible says the first Adam fell, but the second Adam got it right restore things, all things new. So I want you all to just pray this prayer with me. Would you just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the cross where all things were made new. I thank you for renewing my mind, for putting the chaos of my life back into proper order. Lord, I thank you that I find rest and I find hope and I find peace in your presence now. Teach me your ways. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Can somebody just shout, amen. Thanks again for listening to the V1 Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by so many people all over the world that sow into the ministry of V1 Church financially. If you'd like to partner with what God is doing in V1 Church and help bring this message to even more people, you can visit www.v1.church and give today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next episode.